Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hello. So this episode is a replay from a live event that we did back in last April. So I did a live version of my seven day HA recovery challenge of which you can do the um, video course version right now for free if you want. That's at thehasociety.com forward slash seven dash day dash challenge. You can go find it there. But we did a live version with a really awesome group of girls. And every day for seven days, we touched on a different area of recovery. And 
the goal is to make sure everyone had their actions, had their tools, had their strategies to complete it. Now, we were graced by the presence of Meg Doll. So I hosted all of the days except for one. I called in backup, the amazing Meg Doll. She's just so talented at mindset shifts, at bringing you back to you and your body and moving past, helping women basically, to move past the challenges of body image. And I really loved her presentation. It was great. So I wanted to bring the audio to you guys today as a special episode. Um, So enjoy. Let me know what you think. I hope you get some helpful tips out of this. And if you like it, make sure you go and check out Meg Doll. And I can't wait to see what you guys get out of this. Seven straight days of calls about this, guys. Like, this is going to be intense. What have I gotten myself into? Um, And it's already the second last day, so I don't know how that even happened. But pretty sweet. We have Meg. Does everyone here know Meg? Um, Those without your screen, you could raise your little hand icon if you know where it is. Most people have seen her or heard her, even if it's just on my show, but I feel like we share a lot of listeners. Um, She is joining us today because she's like one of my best friends and shares a very different perspective, different bunch of skill sets, is a spiritual coach, has done the training to um, get people's mindsets where they need to be, especially she has a history of her own eating disorder. So I love bringing her in to a group with women to bring a perspective on all of this that I don't have, um, that a lot of you guys need. So I'm going to hand it over to her to take her, um, to take us through a bunch of the mindset shifts and things that are really important for HA recovery, disordered eating recovery, all that good stuff. So Meg, Take it over, introduce yourself, share your slides. Let's do it. Sure. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. So I am going to share my slides and we will just get started. Um, I'm going to go into present mode and hopefully it works really well and everyone can see. You can just tell me, Danny, you can just like pipe up if it doesn't work, but all good. Cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am really excited to be here today talking about HA recovery mindset. And I know you guys have been working through this commitment challenge for the past, what, like six days, Danny said. And I'm just so proud of all of you. So I'm coming in today to talk about the mindset things. So let's just get started. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about my HA story just really briefly. (laughs) I'm sure that some of you have heard me talk about it before on the podcast. I've been on Danny's podcast before, but I thought it was worth mentioning my HA story and then going through three of my biggest mindset shifts, 
And then Danny shared with me some of the common mindset blocks that some of you might be experiencing right now, preventing you from actually taking that leap into full recovery. So we're going to be talking about those. And then Danny and I will open it up to Q&A. So my picture isn't showing up for some weird reason, but I did have a picture there, but you can all see me. So I'm Meg and I recovered from HA almost two years ago this August, it'll be two years. And I actually had HA for 12 years. And I think that's important um, to share. However, I want to make it clear that I don't wear that 12 years as a badge of honor. But I do think it's important to share because I had a lot of doubts going into recovery. And I think that was also something that prevented me from actually committing to recovery because I had HA for 12 years and I really didn't know if it was actually possible for me to get my period back. However, it was, and I got it back. So um, my period went missing when I was in high school. When I was about 15 years old, I relapsed into anorexia, and then that morphed into a different eating disorder, which is orthorexia. And that is what led me to having HA for 12 years. So like I said, I wanted to talk about my personal three biggest HA recovery mindset shifts before we got into the common ones, just in case what I have to share resonates with some of you. And they are kind of like different than what we typically talk about when it comes to HA recovery. So mindset shift number one, HA recovery isn't about what my body looks like. It's about getting my period back. So throughout those 12 years that I had HA, I attempted recovery so many times. Um, years before, like anyone was even talking about HA, I knew I was in it was like 2012, 2013. And I knew not having my period was not normal. And I knew that if I wanted babies someday, that I needed to get my period back. And um, I actually came across a blog post talking about HA. And it was talking about eating more food, particularly increasing carbohydrates, that sort of thing. I know you ladies talked about nutrition already in one of the calls, but every single time I had attempted recovery prior to 2019, I attempted it um, in a way of like changing my body. I was like, I know that my body is not healthy right now. I'm too small. I'm too thin, all this stuff. And I went into HA recovery attempting to change my body. That was like my focus, but that's really not what HA recovery is about. And I think, um, because I made that change in 2019, when I was going into recovery, I decided that this time around recovery, wasn't going to be about my body 
at all. It was just simply going to be about getting my period back. And because I made that shift, even though my body did change throughout recovery, those changes really weren't um, difficult for me to move through because at the end of the day, I knew my end goal was to get my period back and it had nothing to do with my body. So my question for you, I'm going to share a question with each of my personal mindset shifts. So what is your end goal? Is it getting your period back or is it achieving a certain physique? And that's when I'm working with my clients and just I know from my personal life, we tend to have this goal and say it's getting our period back. We have this goal of getting our period back, but as we start doing the actions, we start getting worried about all of these different factors and we start to lose sight of what our actual end goal is. So that's why I wanted you to just reflect on this question here. Like what's the actual end goal? Are you in like a pursuit of trying to change your body or is our end goal actually working to get our period back? So mindset shift number two, I am no longer the girl who had an eating disorder. This goes back to identities. I think identities that we hold on to are something that prevent us from actually committing to recovery. And that identity that I was holding on to was I was the girl who had an eating disorder. So of course I was like eating a certain way now. Oh, Meg is the girl who had an eating disorder. There was so, I was operating from that identity and it was really preventing me from being Meg who is just Meg like fully recovered version of Meg right I was operating as the girl who once had an eating disorder oh Meg had an eating disorder so there were so many like still like quirky things that I was doing with food and exercise because I was operating from that identity and so when I realized that I made that shift and I let go of that identity that I was the girl who had an eating disorder and I just chose recovery. So my question for you, what identity or identities are you still holding on to that are preventing you from doing the things you need to do in order to fully recover? And once we can shed some awareness on these identities, honestly, sometimes awareness is all we need to actually just like let them go. Because sometimes our identities are so outdated and we know we don't even wanna be holding on to those identities anymore. And so once we can kind of get clear on what we're holding on to, we can start that process of letting them go and just choosing recovery. Mindset shift number three, I shifted from trying to fix myself to just loving myself. So we've been with Danny, you've been talking about the things you need to do 
in order to recover and get your period back, right? We know that there's certain nutritional things that are going to help us and things with like fitness and exercise and movement, that sort of stuff. And so every single action we take has like an intent behind it. Right. And if we're coming from this place of trying to fix ourselves, that's coming from a place of lack. And that's not healing. Restricting and lack is not healing, but loving is. So when we can shift the why behind what we're doing, that changes everything. So if we're going into a meal trying to fix ourselves, or anything that we do throughout the day, if our actions are all rooted in trying to fix ourselves, that's not a healing mindset. If we can go throughout our day preparing a meal for ourselves or whatever it is you do throughout the day and come from a place of loving yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? That's healing. So question for you, where are you currently coming from a place of fixing rather than loving? This would be a really great thing for all of you to reflect on today, because I know with um, recovery, trying to get our periods back, we are missing our periods. So of course, it's easy to kind of find ourselves stuck in that fixing mindset. But as soon as we can shed light on those areas that we are coming from that place of fixing, we can shift to loving and that's going to change things for you ladies big time. I can promise you that. Okay, so like I said, Danny shared some common um, mindset blocks that some of you might be facing. So let's talk about those and how to overcome them. So the mindset block number one, my body is already big enough. Okay. So here's the shift. HA recovery is not about your body. As I said before, it's about getting your period back. So let's start to take our focus off the size of our body and focus on what's actually important. Okay. And this is really where that self-awareness and compassionate self-talk that I teach my clients comes in. So as soon as you notice that your mind is starting to focus on your body, we need to be that coach for ourselves and start coaching ourselves through those moments, reminding ourselves that this journey that we're on is actually not about our bodies. It's about getting our periods back. And most of what we um, have learned and have been conditioned to believe is that there's like one type of body that's healthy. And we need to start to question that belief and show ourselves that health comes in so many different sizes. Okay. Mindset block number two, if I keep gaining weight, I will become unhealthy. So here's the truth, ladies. Your body wants you to be healthy, okay? And one thing that I really had to 
wrap my head around. And something that just really helped me um, put things into perspective was the fact that if I start eating a proper amount of food, and this is something that I don't have in the slides, but like the amount of food we need to eat in order to recover, like is not, it's, it's a healthy amount for your body, right? Like right now, when we don't have our periods, we're likely eating less than, and before recovery, we're likely eating less than what your healthy self needs to be eating. So when we move and shift and start eating a proper amount for our body, and if our body changes and we do gain weight, we needed to gain that weight in order to be healthy. And our body really does just want us to be healthy. So just take note of all that your body has done for you up until this point to keep you healthy, right? Um, if we find ourselves in this point right now without a period and about to embark on this amazing journey that is recovery, it's likely we haven't really treated our bodies so great all of the time. Yet you're all here on this call because your body is literally fighting for you to keep you healthy. So as soon as you start to nourish it with more food, it's just going to continue to try to keep you healthy, okay? So when we start to think of it in that way, things are also going to shift. Every single time you have a meal, thinking of how it's nourishing your body. So I hope that that shift is going to help you approach your meals and your body differently. Mindset block number three, if I choose this path, people will think I'm unhealthy. So your period is a vital sign of your health, just as your body temperature is, your pulse, breathing, blood pressure. And if we don't have a period, we're actually not healthy. So like, who cares what other people think, right? Recovery is about you. This is your journey. Okay. And this is where also boundaries can come into. I love talking about boundaries. Love it. One of my favorite things to talk about. And this is something else that's going to really help you big time throughout recovery, setting boundaries with people. People actually don't have the right to comment on your body if you don't want them to. You can set those boundaries around making comments on your body or food or anything. Keep a tight circle. Let the people in that support circle of yours know what you're up to. And if they're confused as to why you're doing this, there's so many ways that you can explain to them and educate them on why this is actually the healthiest thing for you. But I wanted to make it clear and just kind of when it all comes down to it, if you don't have your period, you're actually not healthy. So let's start challenging those thoughts. We'll go back to this mindset block. If that thought enters your mind, 
okay, well, if I choose recovery, people think I'm not healthy or I'm unhealthy, right? Well, without a period, we are. So this is going to help us bring us into that place of health. This is the healthiest thing for us to do for ourselves at this moment. So lastly, Danny wanted me to share some daily rituals and thought process habits that you ladies can do. So, I mean, this could be such a long list, but I wanted to kind of like, I don't know, keep it short and sweet. And some of the things that are going to be the most helpful for you. So number one, we talked about this already, but it's really important is aligning yourself with your end goal. This is so key. So often we have this goal and we are doing so many things that aren't actually aligned with where we want to go and where we actually want to end up. So if we're super clear that our goal is to get our period back every single time, those thoughts of our body changing pop into our head or like, why aren't we exercising or whatever it is, right? We can so much more easily combat those thoughts by having a clear end goal. Like, hey, this is what I need to do right now in order to get my period back. Hey, that doesn't matter because my end goal is getting my period back. So all of these really like intrusive thoughts that are entering my mind that don't have anything to do with me getting my period back, it's so much more easy to combat those thoughts. So number two, um, an assignment that I thought would be really great to give you girls, and it relates to one of those mindset blocks that Danny shared with me, is redefining health. This is something that I actually did early, early on in um, eating disorder recovery for myself, but it definitely applies here. Um, I think we get so confused about what health actually means that we kind of forget what it actually is, right? Um, we think it's one thing um, from all the conditioning that we have received over the years, but we actually know it's this other thing. So take some time this weekend or this coming week, these next few days to sit down and get clear on what health actually is for you. And I'm sure that includes having a healthy relationship with food, having a healthy relationship with your body, having a healthy relationship with exercise and also having your period every month. Right. Can so, I, um, yeah, I love this exercise and I've done a similar one, which has like slightly different tweaks. I do this with my therapist type person and it's called recontracting. Mm. And I had to recontract around um, like motherhood I'm like dealing with mm. all these stories that I've discovered I have around having a child and like, um, you know, a mother, a good mom does this, right? And a like a bad mom does this and all this yeah. shit that is in my head that makes it impossible for me to actually make decisions that are probably best for my family. And you can do this with everything around like money, relationships, like your marriage, and you can do this around your health Success. too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the exercise is actually to write out the old contract first, which is 
So, because in your head, you have a contract, right? Around like what health is and you've signed that contract in a way. So, you know, write down all that trash <laughs> that you have in your mind that is a part of what health is for you. It, it looks a certain way and it's, it's being active a certain amount and you just like list it out. And then on the next page, and sometimes people do this side by side on a spreadsheet, like in columns for each mm -hmm. item, each line of your old contract, you write the new line of the contract. Love it. Yeah. And so I, that reminded me of that and I wanted to share it. Love it. And yeah, if anything else like pops up around it that you want to redefine or recontract, do it because this is such a powerful exercise and it's something that I did once and it put so many things into perspective for me. It made me realize that like, Hey, I'm doing these things every single day and I want to be healthy, but I actually know that like what I'm doing isn't healthy and we can start changing that. It's really powerful. So number three is to just start to question your thoughts. We all have thoughts. Okay. Um, I often joke that like, I'm a Gemini and basically like I'm all air signs, like my sun, moon, rising sign. I'm all air ladies. So I have like one of the busiest minds you will ever have ever. Um, so I have thoughts coming into my mind all the time, but we all do. Right. Um, and what I often find is when I start working with a client, we, they tell me all of these thoughts, but it's like, how are we actually interacting with these thoughts? Are we just experiencing them and like soaking them up like a sponge, AKA believing them, or are we getting curious about them? Are we questioning them? Right. Those, some of the mindset blocks that I talked about earlier were a lot of old stories, these old beliefs coming up. And instead of just soaking them up and believing them as the truth, what if we started to question them, right? Huh, I wonder why I think that, or is that actually true? Who told me that, right? Because so much of what we think, so much, so many of the thoughts that enter our mind are not based in actual facts, right? So start to question your thoughts. That one practice is going to change your life if you haven't already started doing that. Finally, pick a mantra, okay? So uh, I was honestly complete transparency. I was never a big like mantra type person. I like getting really deep with things and like, you know, getting to the root of like, why do I believe this? And using all of my different types of practices. And I felt like everyone does mantras, right? And I was just never really big into mantras. And then as I was moving through HA recovery, I noticed that there were certain things that I would repeat to myself over and over and over as like the day went on. And I was like, okay, clearly this is, I have a mantra here that's like really helping me. So 
I would say, give yourself some time to like, come up, like, what is it that you actually need to hear? Or what is it that you want to start believing and kind of like try to create a mantra for yourself. But I am going to share three that really helped me through my recovery journey. Like three that I just found myself saying over and over and over again. Okay. Number one, my body is the least interesting thing about me. Fact, but also a really great mantra. So every single time you have these like little thoughts creeping in about your body, about how significant it is and like, what are people going to think and da, 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 all those things that we all think my body is the least interesting thing about me. Honestly, it is. <laughs> Danny and I, like, she's one of my best friends and I could care less about what her body looks like. Like, it really does not matter to me. Don't care. I love her for who she is, right? And same goes for all of you ladies. Your body is very not interesting, but you are as a person, okay? Number two, my body is my guide. I use this on <laughs> my extreme hunger days, okay? Because we have those throughout recovery. Um, and, you know, like when I would eat a meal and then have a snack and then need like five more snacks or whatever it was, right? And those thoughts started creeping in about like, mm, you know, and started to second guess my hunger. I would just constantly repeat to myself, my body is my guide. My body is my guide. And I really started to believe it. And it really helped um, with some trust issues that I had within myself. And then finally, I am more than my body. This is something else um, slightly similar to my body is the least interesting thing about me but it just kind of hits differently. And it's something else that I found really supportive throughout recovery. And yeah, these were just three that really helped me, but I also wanted to share them with you all because it seemed like the mindset blocks that Danny had shared with me and just like told me that these were some of the common ones that were coming up. A lot of them were around the body, um, involving the body. And I just thought that these three mantras could be helpful for you all. So if any of them resonate, I definitely recommend using one or two or all three and just carrying them in your pocket with you throughout recovery. So finally, that's um, Q&A time. I hope you all enjoyed that. We're able to take a thing or two. Do you want to unshare so we can see people's yes. faces or just like names? There we go. <laughs> That's a lot of just names. Cool. So before we jump into q and I want to like set the stage for opening it up to what we can talk about. So a bunch of you guys, oh, first of all, Meg, thank you. That was amazing. Um, super helpful. You always do a way better job of talking about those things than I do. So I love being able to bring you on for that. And the homework that people were to do prior or 
after um, this particular day was kind of like an essay time to write about what it is that you want for yourself or can see or believe in for yourself outside of your identity, right? So if we could remove the obsessive thoughts we have around exercise, our body, our eating, or like the fears and even just like the time we spend thinking about HA and apply it to other areas of our life, like what would you do? So I do hope that people spent some time diving into that thought and examples could be anywhere from like, I want to be a mom to I want to you know, achieve this in my career, but I'm held back by this, or I want to just feel a certain way and be more of a social person or whatever it is, is totally up to you. But I hope that you explored a little bit of that because it's really important for having like a, a central place that you're heading to that all of these tools that we've talked about in the last few days are like your, your North star for, right? Like your purpose for this, because we can't just, we can't just want a period back. I know that a lot of us do, and that's how we get here, but it, there has to be more to it. Um, You know, otherwise the types of things that people do, people like wouldn't be chain smokers and drinkers and stuff like that. If, if just our health was all that was a driving force. So yeah, I wanted to make sure everyone had that in mind, especially because tomorrow it kind of goes at like the top of our commitment tree. Um, And then in terms of Q&A, this is kind of the session for addressing anything we haven't gotten to talk about at all in the last few days. So you don't just have to have mindset questions for Meg. Um, anything at all HA related, if you kind of feel like there's still a specific part of your story or your journey that you really want to just get out there. Because I know that sometimes we could talk about all of it and you could still feel like there's an element of your story that's just a bit different or you just want to like touch on this one scenario in your life or your relationship. So this is a completely open panel right now. I also encourage anyone who asks a question who, but had like, uh, okay, anyone on here, all of you who hears a question that maybe you want to provide input in, absolutely feel free to put your hand up. Um, I want this to become a conversation as much as possible, just like we do in every other community call for those who attend those. Okay, and you can put it in your in the comments if you can't speak and feel free to just jump in or raise your hand and I'll guide. So does anyone have anything immediately come up for them about their HA recovery, their mindset, exercise, food, whatever it is that they would like to get addressed today? Abby. Um, so I really struggle to like feel full, full. And I and I, I don't think I trust myself and my hunger cues. I know when I'm hungry, but I definitely don't know when I'm like full, you know. Cool. Um yeah, Meg, I feel like I've heard her actually answer this question a few times, so she should crush it. 
Yeah. I mean, I was like that too. Right. Like I spent so many years of my life just completely not trusting myself. And so I was kind of like always hungry and I really didn't know what it was like to be full. And I think that's like the beautiful thing about recovery and pursuing recovery is like our hunger cues will normalize. You are going to experience what it's like to be full. But if we, at this point, if we're finding ourselves feeling hungry or thinking about food, that that's hunger, right? And our bodies are running at such a deficit right now. And I know we have something in our minds that like we think is like the amount of food we should be eating, right? But there's like literally no magic number. And we just need to really allow ourselves. And I know it it comes with time and a lot of more like of the deeper healing type of work, right? Like I can't just like say, Abby, just, just eat. But I hope that by talking it out and knowing that like, Hey, yeah, absolutely. You don't know what hunger or like fullness, like you just probably always kind of feel a little hungry. And absolutely. I was the exact same way. Absolutely. So, but like the only way we can move through that is by truly nourishing our bodies because you are going to get full. You are going to be like, yeah, that's, that's like enough for me right now. And then, Hey, maybe like in an hour or two, you might feel like you need more food and guess what? That's really normal. I just had breakfast not that long ago and halfway through when I was talking, I was like, oof, I could probably use a snack, (laughs) you know? And that's amazing. That's a sign that your hormones are like starting to wake up. That's kind of what I always thought. And that's kind of like another little mindset shift you can make every, instead of being freaked out over your hunger, start getting excited about it. Like, ooh, my body's like using all of this nourishment that I'm providing it and it wants more. Amazing, right? That's such a good sign. I know I said I was kind of like always running a little bit hungry all the time, but there was one thing about, um, that was like kind of once I started eating and like pursuing recovery, but before recovery, I never felt hungry. And that's not a good sign. That means your hormones are really trying to conserve everything that it has, right? So it's like really like down-regulating things for you. So if you're hungry, that's a good sign. And let's start shifting it that way. So does that kind of like help you out, Abby? Yeah, it's weird because I feel like pre like going into like recovery, um I always used to think about food and get so excited for like my next meal like oh what was I having like all food yeah and like now I still look forward to eating but I it's not so much excitement anymore because I feel like my body knows it's gonna have food more frequently Mm -hmm. so that the excitement's kind of changed or the thought processes around food have now changed 
my god okay okay that makes sense yeah and what I would say to that and sorry if I'm cutting someone off um what I would say to that like that excitement that you felt in the past was because you were like so hungry hungry. right like so hungry imagine like like I don't know if you have a pet but you know how like (laughs) if they get like they get so pumped to eat food right like we shouldn't be that way right like anyone with like a really truly normal relationship with food it's like yeah we love food like it's awesome like it's so great to nourish ourselves but we shouldn't be like so excited to eat because we're so hungry I thought it was because I was excited because I loved food and I do love food and I'm like a Mm -hmm. foodie say but actually now thinking back I think it was because I actually really needed the food Mm -hmm. so hungry yeah absolutely (laughs) so when like if those thoughts kind of creep up oh well I'm not excited to eat food anymore right? Let's talk back to those thoughts and say, well, the only reason I was actually really excited to eat food in the past was because I was so over hungry that like, of course you were so excited to eat because you were like so hungry. Yeah, that makes sense. I know we have like a bunch of other questions to get through, but yeah, the one thing I will insert into that is now that you are experiencing less excitement around food, like that is a hunger cue. And that's really exciting because you're actually getting mental space back now. Sometimes our focus on food and our excitement about food can be so distracting. And so it's, it's actually a gift sometimes to be less controlled and owned by the energy and excitement and thoughts that are being, con- being consumed by food. So definitely celebrate that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had saw mm-hmm. Emily's hand go up too. So did you have a question, Emily? Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today. So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect. And then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot. 
and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. Thank you. Um, thank you, Meg. Um, I think your story, I, I've listened to you before and your story does resonate with me. I'm <clears throat> coming off the back of quite a long history of an eating disorder, um, which has been very stable for, I'd say, 12 years. And just I've always said I've, I've been recovered, but I've never been weights. I've never weight restored properly. And I've been in denial. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Danny about this earlier. I've been in denial for a very long time. Um, and I, I know that for me, jumping in all in straight away, just jumping in is too, my anxiety is just too much. Um, and I've got quite a lot of body dysmorphia, so I don't see myself as apparently how I am. Um, so I find that difficult. And my, I suppose my question to you is when you were finding, did you get really, really, really anxious when, you know, when you started making the changes, um, whether that being reducing exercise um, and eating more than what is already, I'm already eating near enough two and a half thousand calories, I think, definitely more than 2000, but near enough what it should be. But it's clearly not enough because I've been doing this for over a year and nothing's Mm -hmm. changing. So taking that extra step, it's just, I get so anxious and like, I'm sweating thinking about it. I'm like going to have to take my jump off in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for that? Sorry, I ranted a long time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's like a couple of things that I would comment on, but to answer your question about the anxiety and since you've been through eating disorder recovery, right? Like you're probably very familiar with like seeing like those ed thoughts or like the eating disorder thoughts right you're probably fairly familiar with that and something else that really helped me was seeing those fear and like fear is coming up and causing the anxiety right or anytime you feel that anxiety let's start actually seeing that as like hey that's my green light that's my green light that what I'm about to do is actually the right thing to do because every single time we're feeling like calm and comfortable, like, okay, what I'm doing right now is like, good. I'm calm. I'm feeling good. It's because the eating disorder is cool and confident and like calm and like, okay, with everything that you're doing. Right. Anything, any single time I felt comfortable, like I felt comfortable, right? I had to recognize that it was actually the eating disorder that felt comfortable, not me, right? So every single time I was about to do something like, hey, I've been doing this for a year, nothing's changing. So I'm going to start making this change. And if that anxiety bubbles up, that's not you. That's the eating disorder. We need to make that separation. That's so, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. 
Cool. Let's do Elisa. Hey, thank you, Mac. It was really great. Um, my question, I also come from the same background, also had a year long, um, years long of eating disorder. And um, now I'm way too covered. I also got my period back. Um, and I'm much better with exercise and food. I'm, I'm still have I think I have a very special relationship with it, but much better. My question is about the remnant perfectionism and being productive and being, which mm. used to be only being like, um, I only got like being productive is exercising and not eating. Now it's more about work and I get this. I have really difficulties for a day where I don't feel I've done something productive. And I feel at the moment, this is a really big remnant of my eating disorder. Um, and um, do you know something or, or any tips about that? Yeah, I feel like what's coming up for me right now, like there's a few things that I could suggest, but what about redefining or recontracting being productive as Danny and I spoke about earlier? How would that feel for you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying. I think it's, I think it's just that journey that you can't just like think about it. I and mean, I'm just perhaps a bit impatient because I feel like this always having to hustle and doing something is really annoying. And um, but perhaps it's a good sign that I'm getting so annoyed at it. So that was the first. It's amazing. Best motivation mm -hmm. where I can could change about food and exercise and weight when I got really so pissed at it. So. Yeah, yeah. use that as like the fire to drive you forward. But if you haven't actually sat down and wrote out like what being productive actually means to you, like, does that actually mean doing something all the time, right? Or whatever you're like, does it actually mean what you're doing right now? Or can we redefine what being productive is, right? Yeah, I think perhaps I just have to sit down and actually write it down. This is really very simple, but really good idea because I haven't done it yet. It's really good. Thank you. Yeah, so if you haven't done that yet, I would definitely say do that and just, you know, you know where to find Danny and I if you need additional support outside of that. But I would definitely do that as a starting point. Thank you. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you were in our community call where we literally talked about redefining productivity, but it's just something. No, certainly not. I'll, um, I'll, I'll have a listen to them all. I was busy last week. So I'll, I mean, we'll always, it, it's going to come up a million more times in the future, yeah. but yeah, it's just like, well, what else? Uh, I think we have a very specific idea of productivity and achievement and success. And it can, this is a good time to redefine what what that means um and even just like yesterday's conversation about like you know seeing someone running can be triggering for me because like if they're doing that and should I be doing that and that looks productive and what I'm doing isn't doesn't seem very productive and we literally need to sit down and say like right now where I'm at in this time of recovery being you know crazy active or getting all these things done is literally counterproductive for me and doing nothing or whatever it is for you right now is productive and then using the mantra it's probably a really good space for a mantra right it's like rest is productive for me today and just yeah it's a lot of work it's a lot of repetition like getting the reps in of 
redefining productivity, that's not really one of the ones that's going to work overnight, but it, it's one of the ones that needs consistency in order for change from what I've seen. Thank you. Love it. Tiffany. Hey, Meg, thanks for um, presenting. Really uh, resonated with um, your slides and that was really helpful. But I, I hope this question makes sense. It's a little confusing, but um, like what stops you from driving toward perfection? That was something I was working on too with, with the therapist, just like what personally, sometimes I feel like in all aspects of my life, I've been driving toward perfection and no, in just different ways. But like what what stops you? Yeah, I think and I I think I talked about this on Instagram not long ago, but kind of being comfortable in the gray, right? I feel like if we struggle with perfection, we're not really allowing ourselves to experience life in the gray. And what I mean in the gray, like when we are quote unquote, like perfectionists, right? It's kind of like so black or white, this or that, yes or no. Like there's kind of like this list, like, right? And when we start to kind of play in the gray, we realize that it's safe to live there too. So what are we doing right now that is being like perfection in our life? And how can we start to experience things like not so intensely like that? Like how can we start to experience things in the gray? Like what would that look like? And then giving ourselves permission also to do that and starting small, right? So if you want to give me an example of where perfection is showing up in your life, then absolutely you can. And we can kind of talk about maybe what a gray, you know, like gray, living in the gray around that would look like. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think even just like what's, I mean, I, I think sometimes I feel like lucky to have gotten HA from the perspective that I don't think there was anything going to stop me otherwise. I was going to exercise too much. I was going to eat too little. I was going to keep working too hard. So I guess like, I mean, I guess even just like with work, what would stop you at, at the day to say like, I need to leave, I need to put it away? Yeah, for me, a lot of like how I move through my day is like, okay, like what's the most loving thing for myself right now, right? Like, am I going to work all weekend? I love what I do. I could book clients all weekend if I wanted to, but I'm not going to do that because working seven days a week isn't the most loving thing for myself, nor is like eating exactly x amount of calories right like that's not the most loving thing for myself and that kind of goes back to one of those mindset shifts that I shared so maybe instead of like I went I shared that I went from a fixing mentality to a loving mentality and what if for you Tiffany you moved from a perfection mentality to a loving mentality Mm -hmm. 
How does that feel for you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I have to have to work on. I think that sometimes we've all maybe been in this for so long. It's like you're a little numb to what that actually means. So I think you're oh, right. You absolutely. Break it down into things you're doing through the day. Because sometimes when I look yeah. at it in holistically, it's hard to say, oh, I'm going to love myself today. That's just what does that mean? Unless you break it down into little, you know, chunks. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. That's such a good reason why like tomorrow when we build the plan, it's actually going to break it down into chunks Mm -hmm. to focus on the things that you are actually in a space right now to tackle that are going to get you to the next point where you can take, you can add more love in. And I don't know if you did the, um, the workbook writing assignment yet. And maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but yeah. Did you do it? Do you know what you, what your answer was? Yeah. I mean, in terms of like, I feel like the, the chasing question I put that I was chasing perfection and like to be the the best, to be most like, to always be putting out the most effort. And then what I really want to be doing, I don't really know because I've been putting so much towards those other things, if that makes sense. So I don't know really what I like to do. But do you, do you have a sense of like, but I would like for it to be creative or I would like for it to be, you know, a slower pace, or I would like for it to have more people in it, even though it's not clear exactly what it is. Do you have a feel for how you want to feel with whatever yeah, it I is? Think, I think like wanting to get pregnant is the first time in my life that like, I really want something that's outside of a goal that I can get now. Yeah. No, got it. So wanting yeah. to get pregnant. So, so basically like using that as something that mm-hmm. um, can guide the decision around like what is loving for me today you know is it yeah, uh, this is very like this is very my personality right like I'm super goal-oriented I'm a project manager mm-hmm. by trade like this is what <laughs> I do right so um so well well if that's the end product you know and the, the options that I have, the option that I have to take is the loving option, the loving route, the, mm-hmm. the slower, the pa- more patient, the less productive, the less perfectionist route. Then I know going for an appointment at the fertility specialist is not in line with the, the path that I want to take. But mm-hmm. today, you know, perfection or productivity kind of looks like, um, you know, taking it slower, eating more, actually putting work away, not even touching it today. So it, it's, you know, keeping all of it in mind, the end goal, the path you wish to take to get there, the, the one that you know is truly right, even though it doesn't feel good, like like uh, the white knuckling hard, hardcore version used to feel. It just helps you to kind of make the decisions mm-hmm. that you need to make. Yeah, that helps so much. Thank you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep we'll keep talking about it. that's like a very Danny answer to go like next to a very Meg answer. But yeah. Cool. Um, there's a question in the comments that I'll read for you, Meg. Is it normal to not feel really good about it in the beginning or when you start choosing a loving mentality? Mm-hmm. I like this question and also wanted to comment on just part of what Tiffany said too. So when I say like moving from a fixing mentality to a loving mentality, 
Um, I recognize that we can't just flip a switch and wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm going to love myself today. I just love myself so much today. Like that's a big leap from where we are right now for a lot of us, right? We do have to break it down. But when we choose, like when we're about to do something, where are we coming from? Are we coming from a place of fixing or are we coming from a place of perfection? Or can we simply just shift what would be the most loving thing for me to do for myself right now? That's not saying you have to like love all parts of you today, but like that action or that decision, whatever you're going to do in that moment, can we just make that come from a place of loving, right? And so Linda's question, is it normal to not feel really good about it in the beginning? Absolutely, because it's something new, right? But when we feel like, so that it's kind of like, um, I could go on with my answer, but essentially when we come from a place of fixing or restriction, like it kind of feels like very like, I always compared it to feeling like trapped in a box, right? It feels like very like contracted, right? You kind of feel like stuck. But when we shift to a place of loving, it it should feel energetically like it's expansive, right? So that's how it should feel energetically. But is it going to feel a little uncomfortable because it's new? Yeah like new things feel uncomfortable. So again, just knowing that like, hey, if I'm doing something new and it feels a little weird, feels a little scary, feels a little uncomfortable, well, that's okay because that's supposed to happen. And then we do it once or we do it twice. And a few times later, that feeling wears off because it's just like not something new anymore, right? Elizabeth basically said, um, you know, yeah, it probably is normal because you've spent a long time doing this. It's going to be uncomfortable. I love it. Okay. Anyone else? We're at the hour. So um, I want to give Megan. Yeah. If you have another question, just raise your hand and I'll make sure it happens. But I wanted one of the other reasons I wanted to bring Meg today was, um, okay, cool. Liz, Elizabeth, I'll come over in a sec. <laughs> Um, one of the other reasons that I wanted to bring her on today was because I wanted to give Meg an opportunity to definitely tell you guys about something called Back Home to You, because it's very, in, like, it, it just like, if you want a next step or to know about more options out there, I just think it's badass. So I would love for her to take a second to share about it. Um, Meg, do you want to do that first or answer Elizabeth? We can question? do Elizabeth's question. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Please, Elizabeth. Okay, so um, my biggest struggle at the moment is that I'm like, I'm not ready to go the next step. So I basically, I, I was um, gaining um, quite a good amount of weight and now I'm at a level where I think okay now I'm going to wait and see what happens so maybe I'm going to wait a month or two 
without stuffing my face because I have like chocolate islands all over my place. So wherever I go and whenever I stop feeling full, I just eat chocolate, um, which is nice sometimes, but um, yeah, it can get boring. So right now I'm basically trying to convince myself that I'm going to wait here and see what happens. Maybe wait a month or two. And then if nothing happens, then I keep on eating and eating and eating. So um, is there a way to just keep going and not not thinking, okay, maybe I'll hang out here for a while and see what happens. Maybe Maybe it works. Yeah, I think that's a really great question and shows us how much focus we can put on making this about our bodies too, right? So what I would say to you is like, what if we, because this isn't about your body, right? It's about making sure that we are fueling ourselves properly. Again, our bodies, like we're all on this call today. And I think some of us have our periods back. Someone who we spoke to had her period back and like Danny and I, well, not Danny now, but you know, she's not getting her period because she's pregnant. But anyways, like all of us are different body sizes. And we can all get our periods back at a different body size. So that's what I would really challenge you to shift is not like so much like I need to change my body in order to get my period back. What if we simply focused on like doing those other check marks, right? Am I fueling my body properly, right? Like, are you? Are you restricting or are you actually fueling yourself like you need to be fueled, right? And are we like over-exercising or have we like dialed things back a lot? And if you've checked those two boxes, let's just keep going with that. Let's keep going with that. And if your body changes, it needed to. But let's not put that ceiling on like, hey, this is how, this is only like the level I'm allowing myself to get to because that's cutting ourselves short. I did that for so many years. I had this number in my mind and I was like, I'm going to be recovered when I'm at this number and that's it. No more. I'm done. I did that like way, like so many years ago when I was going through eating disorder recovery. And unfortunately, the professionals I was working with at the time didn't think there was anything wrong with that. They were like, yeah, that's a good number. We'll get you there and then you're fine, right? But that's not how recovery works. I never got my period back. That's why I had HA for 12 years, right? And that's why people like Danny and I do what we're doing. So you don't have to be stuck in this spot for as many years as we found ourselves doing the same old thing, you know? So let's not put a cap on our healing and just make sure that we're doing those things that we need to be doing. Eating enough, eating as much as like a healthy woman should be eating, right? And if you're doing that, awesome. Let's just make sure we're doing that. And then not like if you like just moving your body again in kind of like that appropriate way for you to get your period back, a non-stressful way, right? 
And if we're doing those things, I think that's what we need to be focusing on rather than like, got to change my body, got to change my body, because that's kind of what I was talking about before. That's how I approached everything in the past. And that's not what it's about. And as soon as I shift that focus, that's actually when I was able to like fully pursue recovery and actually get my period back. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, thank you. I think I don't even realize but that I did a similar thing where I, I eventually got to a point where it's like, it doesn't actually matter what happens with like, there's no goals around weight anymore. There's no like strategy around weight gain anymore. It's just like, and I feel like I've answered this question a couple different ways recently, just in other places. And yeah, it's like, you're, I know that we can be focused on like the number and the average and like most people, my height and age and whatever, recovered at this weight but like your body doesn't care about any of that Mm -mm. and and so it's like it's not going to sit there at some point and register oh we're actually at you know the appropriate weight so we can turn this stuff back on it's doesn't really care unfortunately for yeah and like the other thing I'll just say this and then I'll be done but like the hard thing but the amazing thing about recovery is like at at the beginning, it's hard because your brain is so malnourished, like you're not getting enough food, right? So number one, you're not thinking properly, but also you don't see yourself properly, right? I had body dysmorphia for like as long as I can remember. Your body doesn't see yourself properly. And then you start eating enough food, your thoughts get better, Things like your weight don't matter to you, like Danny just shared. You get to this point and you're like, wow, that actually doesn't matter to me anymore. But also, I don't struggle with body dysmorphia anymore. And that's because like my brain is actually like nourished. So I see myself properly. And that's the thing about recovery. That's like why one of the reasons why at the beginning it's so difficult because our brains are so malnourished that things like we're not seeing or thinking about things properly. But as soon as we start to nourish our minds, um, nourish our bodies, like our minds become nourished and our thoughts start to get healthier, but also like something happens with our eyes and we start to see ourselves in a different way too. Okay. Interesting. Thank you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, if that's it on questions, um, again, just raise your hand if you have another one, but Meg, will you share about back home to you for me, please? Yeah, sure. I'll do it. I know we're like (laughs) over an hour. I'll do a quick little share, but we kind of touched on these things already of how when we kind of get to this point in our life, we really feel, I feel like um, Tiffany shared this, how she kind of doesn't even really know what she enjoys or know what she wants. Because when we are choosing like an eating disorder or disordered eating and have all of these disordered tendencies, kind of like lose sight of who we actually are. And we find ourselves very far from the person that we once were. And that's, um, it's really hard to like navigate back to that. 
And um, as I shared with you, I have a very long journey of eating disorders and recovery. And I created a coaching program called Back Home to You, which is really like my system of how to relearn to love yourself again. And as we spoke before, this was also something that Tiffany brought up so beautifully is like, you can't just wake up one day and say, well, I love myself, right? Like there's so many different components to it. And so inside my coaching program, Back Home to You, that's really what I guide you through and support you through. So I have it broken down into three different phases. The first phase being the observing phase. That's where we start to see our thoughts and our emotions in a different way, start to create new relationships with those things. Because if we are letting our thoughts and emotions run the show, then we can't really move beyond that. So we set a really solid foundation together in that first phase of the program. And then we move into a lot of those self-healing practices that completely changed my life. Um, So this is the reprogramming phase where we start to use self-compassion, inner child healing, self-forgiveness to reprogram our belief system and self-acceptance. So self-love does not happen if we do not first accept who we are, but something about eating disorders or, you know, getting to full recovery is that we have a lot of beliefs that are holding us back and keeping us stuck. And I had some really deep beliefs that I didn't even know I was holding on to. And self-forgiveness and self-compassion really helped me change my belief system around myself, food, my body, exercise, all those things that we feel really stuck around. So I help my clients um, do the same. And then finally, we get into the nurturing phase. This is a holistic look at self-care and really setting you up to be successful beyond the program. We, it's a 12 week program and we always have an amazing 12 weeks together. Um, But the last thing I would ever want is one of my clients to be like, Hey, that was an amazing 12 weeks, but now what do I do? So we really set you up so you can take all of the tools that we worked on together and you can just like walk out of the program confidently. And I also like you don't need to rely on me or any type of coach for the rest of your life, right? Um, you have all of the tools that you need inside of yourself. So that's exactly what I guide you to inside this program back home to you. So that's how I'm currently helping women. And thank you so much, Danny, for letting me share a little bit about it. It's a 12-week coaching program we, I do like weekly coaching calls with you. It's a private coaching program. So we would have like a call every single week for an hour. You have access to an online portal with audio lessons, soul work, guided meditations, and outside of the coaching program, um, we use Slack. So you can text me at any point and I'd be able to support you. 
at any time during your day if you're needing that extra support. Yeah, I love what Meg does with this. I just feel like it was a, a really good compliment to anyone who's struggling with actual, not necessarily doing the work, but the commitment to the work and the feeling um, confident. And just like, if you guys connect with her and her like vibe, you should just know what she has to offer. And if anyone does want to do that at any point, because Meg, it's open all the time, right? You don't have a- yeah. Yeah. yeah, you ladies can reach out at any time. Yeah, if anyone ever wants to do it, um, I believe in it so much that I would be happy to give you guys a month of the AJ Society. So I can like, even if you're already a member, I'll happily do that for you just because I just think it's like so valuable. Okay. Thanks, um, Danny. Of course. If you all want to do that, email her, talk to me, and we'll like, we'll sort it all out. But Thank you for joining me tomorrow and Meg. Um, tomorrow we're going to put everything into a plan, like a specific plan just to get you more confident that you have your next steps. So you are not waking up on Tuesday like, okay, now what do I do? Which is kind of how a lot of us are living our life every day at the moment. <laughs> so that's the goal, right? Is to get you clear and concise and confident in what you're doing. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. As always, you have now spent enough time wondering and thinking about HA. So unless you're going to go and kind of do your redefining and your recontracting and all that kind of thing, go and do something wonderful with your day. Go outside if you can, um, eat a full meal, and <laughs> I will see you guys tomorrow. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature this includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. 
So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction. TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. 
thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.